from the murderous streets of the brotherly. Helicopters that hover see everything under the sun here. We under the gun here. Finger on the trigger. Can't mistake the stench the way it linger on a nigga. Yeah. You got gold you'll find covered here. Where bodies dead, three days old, get discovered here. You know the place where naughty head kids don't get mothered here. Familiar face. Failure is fed firsthand. Successor, kill your taste. This where they hide it. Once decided, they gon' slight your race. And it's customary to cut your nose so you can spite your face. The cops invade your space with the strong arm. And the wrong of the law is cock diesel. It's hard to fight the case. This where they smite his grace and take swigs of sweet sorrow and hopelessness and a shot of pain for the chase. This where the dreams end up in staircase nightmares by the shotgun. This is where the light dares not come. It's dark here, but you feel the heat when hammers spark here. The pen is mighty, but the sword reigns, so watch your talk here. Silhouetted in chalk here. Shots fired, fun deaded, kids running. Look how fast the park clear, clear, clear. What's been up? Yes. What's going down? Yes. I gotta know what's happening. I wanna know the world. What's been up? WTFWOTW. With Rudy Rue. What up, what up? This is episode 22. My guest this week is a man who's been spreading his words of revolution since 93. He jammed while hella deaf, then took his poetry to Broadway and snagged a Tony with his gang. His love for hip-hop brought us standout features alongside Method Man and Pete Rock and his debut album, The Death of Willie Lynch. Whether it's love or activism, this cat knows how to immerse you in experience with his overflowing fountain of words. He dedicates the same passion when preparing you a home-cooked meal or custom cocktail. But to me, he'll always be that guy I can polish off a jumbo bottle of Jameson with. Let me introduce you to the legend himself, Lamar Manson, a.k.a. Black Ice. Hey, what's oh. happening, world? Look at you, playing the coup, playing the coup. All of those things. I mean, well, you know, I, I don't know what to say after you gave me that hellified intro like I was Tarzan or something. Maybe feel like well, he was raised by a pack of wolves. <laughs> he didn't understand that he was a human being until he was 15. Yes. Does he Doesn't know? like a like a movie phone advertising like, in a world that. I want to yeah. see that picture okay I see you on daddy duty I'm I'm a little on daddy duty well since we uh you know drink together we deal? should drink together absolutely what you and got I haven't seen you uh I have actually some Pinot Grigio taking it light a little light yeah, a little, yeah. little some light and, I know uh, I haven't seen yeah, you in forever yeah we haven't seen each other in a minute have to change that. Well, I'm drinking a little red port with you, so let's make a toast. May you, uh, the best of our past be the worst of our future. May the best of our past be the worst of our future. Okay, I got it now. All right. Cheers. Cool. I like that. You said, hold up. Let I me. Know, what what's she trying to say? I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like what? Am I going to hell? Perhaps. All right. So. <laughs> I got a little segment called Ice Breakdown where I try to unwrap your deepest and darkest secrets. Are you ready? Mm, okay, okay. Now, just a few little rapid fire fun questions. You'll be all right. So, Philly or Amsterdam? Amsterdam. Wow. Uh, favorite cuisine? Spaghetti. So, Italian or just spaghetti no. specifically? Spaghetti. <laughs> oh, that's spaghetti. funny. All right. Best advice you've received from an elder? Mm, best advice I've received from an elder can it be two? Okay, so the first one was from Oscar Brown Jr. And uh, we were in Idlewild, the real Idlewild, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had just finished the set. And, and I knew my set was like, I knew I, like, 
I knew I tore it up. But my ego said, you know, go ask one of the elders what they felt about that. And it was really like I wanted them to acknowledge that I was a torch carrier. Mm. But it was also very, it was, it was mostly ego driven because I knew that I was a torch carrier. And so I stepped to Oscar Brown Jr., you know, rest in peace. And, uh, and I said, you know, said, Baba, you know, what, you, what did you think of my set? And he said, uh, he said, young blood, what did you think of it? Because that's all that matters. And I never asked anybody ever again what they felt of my set. Okay. And the second one was uh, I was in uh, a, a very renowned guru. can't remember his name, like Yogi. Yeah, that sounds like a guru Russell. name. You know, Russell always had these kind of cats visiting him. And I, at, whenever I got around any of these dudes, I always asked them what their what they felt like the key to life was. And this particular guru said, in his opinion, it was being able to look at a five-day-old corpse and a newborn baby laying next to each other and see the miracle in both. And then circa probably two years later, three years later, my daughter, who's now 17, she was born on the morning of my grandfather's funeral got to see a newborn baby and a five-day-old corpse and was able to see the miracle in the two. Wow. So those, okay. are two, those are the two most important things. Climb a mountain or jump off a plane? Climb a mountain. Are you scared of heights? Very. Okay. Three adjectives that best describe your character? Mm, aloof. Oh, okay. Um, silly. Facts. Optimistic. Favorite form of relaxation? Wow. Wow. Sex. Sex? Yes, please. The thing is, I thought, I was like, oh, he's probably going to say that, but you took so long. I was like, oh, maybe he's grown. Yeah, I mean, I had to, I know I had to kind of like think about it for a second, but even in all my grownness yeah. and all the things that, you know, I could smoke a joint, I could listen to some jazz, I can, all these things are relaxing. Mm -hmm. But ain't nothing more relaxing and satiating than some good loving. Okay. No argument there. Dogs or cats? Cats. For real? I fucking hate cats. Absolutely. I, listen, I love dogs. I just don't like picking up shit. Got it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Can't leave a dog in the house by itself, you know, yeah. come home to a depressed dead dog. No, God, please, no. There's a new trend where they give, uh, they're giving uh, plastic surgery to dogs now. So if, you're, if your puppy was cute, but grew up to be an ugly motherfucker, there's hope now. So there's that. There is no hope because of that. Craziest place you've had sex. That many, huh? Just give me top three then. Oh, wow. <laughs> is it like, which one do I say? Or it's been a minute? <laughs> like, it's taken so no. long. <laughs> no, nah, well, you know, maybe it's been a minute too, but, you know what I'm saying? but definitely also, like, I've had some adventures. I've had a beautiful love life. So I'm trying to think, like, craziest place. Yeah, like unconventional, like place like unconventional like well, what's conventional well shit an artist you know like so i think okay what's the know, most uncomfortable this? place you've had sex let's do that then hmm. okay uh i would have to say alleyway alleyway in the back of uh wilhelmina's bar in philly oh sounds the, very crackish in the middle in the in the middle of uh, in the middle of a set, like literally, like I was taking a break. It was like, uh, okay, well, let's go do that then. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else were you going to yeah, do? You know. Three minutes you had off. 
I'm, I'm not ashamed. It was like a thunder no, no. ten. Yeah. <laughs> but is it was it like someone who came to see who was an audience member that you just gave the nod to? Was it a part? No, no, no. I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not trashy. No, it was definitely no, like. But had sex you know, in the alley with someone sophisticated who was who was <laughs> someone who was very near and dear to my heart. You know. Oh, okay. It was smutty, but it was smutty with somebody who I love. Oh, okay. Well, that changes it. And then you went back in and just did your set. Yeah, jump right back on the mic and just you know, boom, 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 boom. Probably was a little cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely more relaxed. So it is definitely more relaxed. your favorite form of relaxation. Yeah. So uh, top three MCs from Philly. Top three MCs from Philly. Mm -hmm. Tyreek, obviously, Black Thought, who is my number one MC ever, and my friend. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss. It's somebody dead in the car, and it's probably one of yours. Then I would say EST. Okay. From Three Times Dope. Can we do five? We can't, because then it becomes easy. You gotta do three. God three. damn it! And then it would be uh, my man Chemist. Okay. Do you have a secret talent? Um, I think you know cooking. Most people yeah. don't necessarily know that I that I have um, developed a uh, a skill for for cooking. You know, but that's something that most people have not experienced. Luscious Lamar, the food porn star. Luscious Lamar. This is true, guys. He does go no, by no. Luscious, Luscious Lamar. Lamar, the food porn star. It's the whole thing. The whole thing, yes. I'm getting the apron remember. made. You should. But that's okay. a new love. So that might be, you know, but it's not I'll necessarily a secret because people who... No, we'll just accept that answer because this is supposed to be yeah, rapid okay, fire it. round and you like... Okay, rapid fire. Oh, my bad. Time. You caught me Like at being at dinner with you. Two. I'm just playing. Right, exactly. <laughs> What's exactly. your biggest weakness? Mm, I procrastinate too much. And your biggest strength? My optimism. Who gave you your first break? Mark and Sherman Byers. Back in, like, I want to say 97, maybe, 96, 97. They would come through the barbershop where I worked at. And because I was always kind of spitting poetry and shit like that, like, poetry was kind of like my thing that I did to vent all mm -hmm. the dumb shit that came uh, came into my experience as a barber. Seeing you on you on the cusp of black male America, so I wrote a lot according to that experience, and I was never shy about it because I've I've always just been an artist. You know, even cutting hair was a show to me. So um, Mark and Sherm one day stepped to me outside. I was outside the barbershop smoking a cigarette, and then cat they came up to me like, "Yo, you know, I already knew him." He's like, "Yo, we want to take you to New York to sit you down with an artist we got to sign to Motown and." We want you to write with her. And that was literally my first introduction to the music industry. Those were the two guys. And incidentally, Mark Byers right now is the general manager of Motown Records. Shout out to them. Um, most okay. awkward experience on stage dealing with a heckler or technical difficulties? Ooh, the Apollo. Famous Apollo Theater, where dreams are born and legends are made, is proud to present its showtime at the Apollo. Did you get booed? Sometime in like 2002 or 2003, I was, uh, they had the, the poetry on Broadway was such a, a critically acclaimed show that Apollo was like, we want y'all to come and just feature during the regular night. But that's in so between get out those who are showcasing them. In between the, in between the, oh, the booze and shit, right. So Monique was the host. Oh, hell. And, you skinny bitches. <laughs> and I walked up, no, but Monique was cool. You know, it was the it was the fucking audience. You know what I'm saying? You know, like they these motherfuckers. They're professional booers. Listen, so I went out on stage 
and I was doing 410 days in life. So the beginning of 410 days of life goes, when you look at me and my brothers, what's your first impression? And some, you know, some degenerate from the audience, <laughs> you know, yelled out, you ugly. <laughs> and it was like the fastest I've ever done a poem on stage in my life. I was like trying to finish, but get out of there. Oh. And by the, by the time I was done, they were, it was on their feet. But that moment yeah, right but... there was like for all stages to get fucking heckled on. I got heckled on the Apollo stage and for a chick to be like, you ugly, you know? And, and I'm not the prettiest air? nigga, Did you know what I'm saying? Well? Yeah, air, air like a motherfucker. <laughs> okay, on that note, student athlete <laughs> or bookworm? I was none of the above. Oh, so what the hell were you? You were fucking. What were you doing? No, I mean, I, I was fucking. Yeah. But I was just an artist. I joined the debating team because it felt like a show, right? I didn't want to be like we, I went to public school, so we didn't have no like theater department, you know? So oh. The God. most we had was, was talent shows, which I was in every one of, them. you know, like me and my man Zeke, we used to dance. Made the grades because I was afraid of my dad. But I wasn't a bookworm. I wasn't an athlete at all. I gave a fuck about sports. Okay, I accept that answer. My youngins get it fucked up when y'all talk about this game like it's designed in their favor. Like it ain't outlined for them to waver their rights for a little fame. Getting bullshit fights for a little name to get noticed by some niggas that don't give two fucks about you. Till you make them a few bucks, they doubt you. Tell them you don't do the jobs and shucks and they route you to the shelf. See, there's no money in good health, so they need you to be sick with it. Ill content and delivery, niggas. This nation thrives off misery, niggas. So if you ain't trying to let your hard times increase my wealth, nigga, keep that progressive shit to yourself. This is the business of buying souls, and we only fuck with those who trying to sell them. You see, they may see me as an adversary because they know I'm trying to tell them about the forest of artists who grow only to meet industry axes. How they take a nigga dreams and write them off in their taxes. Contracts is confusing, but don't worry. They'll appoint a lawyer for you, for you, loan you funds to fuck your soul, make you pay it all back and still maintain control of your stroll, your tracks, and your hot ass slow flow. They'll keep you looking good and all that, but no dough. You see, when they get a bitch, they got a bitch. And contrary to popular opinion, it ain't my sisters that switch, it's my brothers. We the dumb motherfuckers, hardest niggas in the street turn industry suckers because we refuse to do the knowledge. Nigga, you can't learn this music game in the streets or in college, so you better pick up a book or something or fuck it, black ice, or put it in a hook or something and hope that you listen to it. They pumping that poison and creating an illusionary parade and they still pissing through it. Nigga, I am the sacrificial lamb for y'all. My life is what I'm willing to give for it. I challenge you to find something that's really willing to die for and then live for it. So what part of Philly are you from? I'm from North Philly, specifically the Badlands. So there was another uh, senseless killing at the hands of cops mm. in your mm. town. Mm. Walter Wallace <sighs> to his oh, mama. We're we going with that. We going, this is we're going to go. We're going to dive into that. Yeah, because we get that out the way. All right, so I don't know how much racism it was. I think it was two white cops that responded to an incident in a black neighborhood, Mm -hmm. which is not unfamiliar. Um, The young man, as tragic as it was being shot in front of his mother on his block where he lived at, according to, and it's funny because my my cousin is a great cop in Philly. He's a good cop. And my, my older brother is a firefighter. You know, and my cousin is one, he's a cop, but he said when the George Floyd thing went down, he was the cat who was like, it's time. To quit? No, it's time that this happened. Because his whole stance on being a police officer is his stance. He wants to be 
a pillar of his neighborhood, uh, of the neighborhoods where he grew up at. He, he, you know, he helps run the, the police athletic league. He is the cat who runs up on these youngins and tries to give them some other option mm-hmm. than being on the streets and being prey to this judicial system and, and talking to him about it, you know, because uh, of course on camera, it looks like, oh shit, cops shot another black man. You know, he had a knife, but Oh, they immediately, lawyers immediately go to say, well, he had mental issues. What black man in urban America don't have mental issues? There's not one. We all dealing with mental issues, whether we acknowledge that shit or not. There's some PTSD that's happening. My son is 23 years old and he has buried 13, 14 of his friends. That is not normal. Just because this also this man, this young man also fathered a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. He wasn't that crazy. Yeah, you, could, you, know, you could be crazy and have good dick, Lamar. It's possible. And Okay. And if you look at the video, he chased these cops down with the knife. That is a deadly weapon. Well, um, you have to get closer to the person than with a gun. But I it mean, is a weapon get, for sure. Rudy, if it was you, if you were a cop. Yeah, I would have. You know I, what I would have done? I, no, I'm saying if you were a cop, I know you. If you were a cop and you were the police officer at the helm of the trigger, I would have said, Rudy, you should have put them. You should have put that joker down. I feel like because I was looking at, uh, you know, how in the UK they're not allowed to carry guns, right? So there was this other incident where this man was walking on the street with a machete, and again mm-hmm. there were like three uh, British cops. And he was like swinging, this is a machete. And he was also like huge. But what they did is they called more cops with like shields. And then mm-hmm. they just kept walking towards him. And then they, you know, kind of like crowded yeah. him and then disarmed him. My thing is there is a way besides question. And killing the person. Cause Without I don't question. know the circumstances. I just think it's just such a, it's like the first go-to, it's just weird. The disparity lies in the fact that we've, we've seen numerous times, too many times to count, when a white man has been brandishing a firearm and pointing it at, and pointing it at the cops. Even shooting and in somehow, some cases. And, and somehow he gets taken alive. And here it is, a young black man yet again, yeah. you know, because there are states who don't have this kind of social unrest because because the cops are trained differently. These cops have been so trained that, listen, we are the law and they are the enemy. And they're trained on fear. So absolutely, they're very reactionary. So it's kind of like, what do you think of uh, one of the cops that um, killed Breonna Taylor suing the boyfriend for uh, severe trauma, mental anguish and emotional distress? I mean, I think that's the bullshit of America. It's that suit, that lawsuit culture. It's a distraction. So these animals are catching on to a rooster in the Philippines armed with an ankle blade killed a police chief while he was trying to raid a cockfight. You see what I did there? <laughs> I told you, you're not about to put me in a racism box. We're moving. <laughs> The, so, what happened with the rooster down there? The rooster had the rooster, the rooster had an ankle. ankle blade, and he killed a police chief. He um, sliced him in his thigh, so popped a little artery there because he was trying to raid a cockfight. So he's like, "No, fuck you, hater." So that yeah, that is some that is some thousand ways to die shit right there. Like yeah, mind your business, you know. You could have cockfight. Leave cocks alone. You know what I'm saying? Leave cocks. Well. Some I said, well, the two gentlemen outside with the big guns said to come in here 
And so I came in, I'm bringing you my passport and piece of paper. She said, well, you shouldn't have come in here. I said, well, okay. But they told me to come in here and I'm black. <laughs> and they're the police. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg recently opened up about being told that she wasn't black enough. She said, quote, I'd get these cards and letters from people saying, why don't you prove to us that you're black? Your idea of black and my idea of black might be different because we're coming at it from different places, but don't tell me mine isn't legit because you don't like it. Did you ever uh, get the impression that Whippy didn't embrace her blackness? Never. Yeah, me neither. Whoopi, Whoopi is one of the blackest chicks. Even on, on The View, she's black. So She's black as shit on The View. So one of those uh, people who shared that sentiment was Spike Lee for a while, so they were feuding for years about it. The, what's the last thing that nigga made? Was Chirac? No, he made the, the Five Bloods movie. Whatever that shit was. Okay, we get it. You're not a fan. Okay, we get it. I'm, no, I'm, but I am a Spike Lee fan. Like, Bamboozle is one of the most important films ever made. Right, but that was like in 92, right? Doesn't matter. No, but what I mean Doesn't is, matter. so that's your point. He hasn't made anything recently that you I know that nigga made about. Chirac, you know what I'm saying? When it was, I was like yeah, that five was minutes in, I was like, are these niggas rhyming the whole fucking movie? Yeah, I didn't know it was a musical. I didn't expect it. Listen. But he's trying to get out of his box too, Lamar. So yeah, okay, well, <laughs> Whoopi, Whoopi is black as fuck. Yes, what? Period. Yeah. Point black. Moving. Eyebrows on. are not Whoopi, present. Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> the black, black delegation does not like. We will refuse to trade Whoopi Goldberg. But you could have yeah. a couple of other motherfuckers like Lil Wayne. Um, there's apparently a TLC documentary in the works. On the tea. Tiggity, tiggity, tiggity. Bye. I'm the leggy, leggy. Left eye. I'm the same. the And that is oh on the TLC tip. Yeah, but between their TV movie, Left Eyes documentary, countless stories about their bankruptcy. The reality show where they were trying to replace Left Eye. And... So do we feel like there's a piece of their story we do not know that we need another documentary about? Well, that doesn't matter. Unless you're about right, to tell me some new shit, like Left Eye is actually in Cuba with Tupac. Like, there's nothing. But, but the whole thing is, but the whole thing is, is that there's somebody behind a desk at some, that's like, what? I love TLC. Yeah. Let's do another show. <laughs> you know, because if I was sitting behind the desk, I'd be like, what? Yeah, Who, don't what go show? chasing waterfalls. A woman's body was found in a Nashville apartment she shared with her four kids, but she'd been dead for two years and her body was just chilling under some clothes in the bedroom. Mm. Where was this at? Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> so I'm like, even if I don't want to be I don't want to be stereotypical, but you know, Nashville, Tennessee got some deep that's that's you know, that's the bayou. You know what I'm saying? You know, like that's I don't know if that's the bayou or not. I just think I all that think shit <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I know like the is the body. It just seemed like some deep south. Yeah. You know, all that's just weird down there. You know, I was down there one time in Eulabelle, Georgia, at uh, ex-wife's grandfather's funeral, and I was at offer me raccoon for dinner. Yo, but even if your mom dies in her sleep of natural causes, at what point is the solution cool? Let's just leave her there. Like, I don't understand. At, like, one, at what point do you, are you able to bear the scent. The smell of the smell. I think that's what the clothes are even, here for. It's, it's not even the scent. You can't even call it a scent. It's a stench. It is a, you know, and clothes, clothes collect odor. So to me, only thing that happened was the odor would increase. But, but they hey, kept piling the clothes on. That's America's crazy. Gonna, but they still America's don't know if there's foul play. And I'll be like, oh. 
So I had a conversation a few weeks ago on this podcast with Sandra St. Victor, where she expressed she wasn't a fan of these uh, posthumous hologram with artists. It's creepy. What are they going to start doing, cloning them next? <laughs> Fuck that. These people are creepy. How do you feel okay. about that concept? <laughs> if I say up until you brought it up? Okay. I took the stance of it could be a great way for fans to be immersed in the live show experience of an icon they missed out on. But this week, Kanye West gifted Kim a hologram of her dad giving her a personal message. Her dad died in 2004, but he's talking to her as if it's present day and commenting on her current life. Happy birthday, Kimberly. Look at you. You're 40 and all grown up. You look beautiful, just like when you were a little girl. I watch over you and your sisters and brother and the kids every day. Sometimes I drop hints that I'm around, like when you hear someone make a big pee or when you make a big pee Remember when I would drive you to school in my tiny Mercedes every day and we would listen to this song together? <laughs> Now, as sweet as that gesture is, I found that shit hella creepy. Wouldn't that be creepy? Like if a dead parent was like, oh man, I'm so proud of what you did. But you, you got to take all this shit in context. You know what I'm saying? You, the key words that you said in this whole- Kanye West? Right, Kanye, Kim Kardashian. But that's not her fault. She didn't request no, it. It's just the, you know, it's just a thing of like this that world. You don't act like you don't know how retarded that fucking Hollywood shit is. <laughs> you know but in the case of what the fuck is a narcissist savior complex up to now, Kanye says he's building a new city of the future in Haiti because the president gave him an island to develop. Did you hear about that? And I'm like, that's great for Haitians, you know, to have something nice. But then why is he bullshitting around with the U.S. presidential election? Do you know the land that he owns in Wyoming equals that of Washington, D.C.? which is according to you know the way i came up under uh you know a member of the black Panther party and you know uh, uh my pop was real heavy my mom was real heavy that's a very powerful thing land so there's certain things like this thing is brilliant you know which also also says you know they're in fear of this cat you know what i'm saying but then there are other parts where it's like okay then you 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 did what? Like what? Big thing. They should have never gave you niggas money. <laughs> yeah. What I'm supposed to do with my legs, Charlie Murphy. Clock strikes upon the hour. Shout out to Whitney Houston for being the first black artist to go triple diamond, joining the Beatles and Garth Brooks. Now we can celebrate with her because she's a hologram. See? No. <laughs> I'm just playing. Your love for hip hop is evident in your flow. As a poet, why did you just stop at one rap album? Well, I never had a rap album. Wasn't the death of Willie Lynch an album? It was an album, but I guess it was me rhyming, but... The question can be rephrased to why didn't you make a real rap album? Because mm, that was never my thing. Like, I like the rhyme for fun. I know I let the bars go. I got Best of the Booth on Rap City in 2009. You know, what? I got the hip-hop quotable in the source. I know I, I let the bars go. It's one of, it's, I don't brag about many things, but how I write them words down on, on, on paper and, and stitch them together is one of the things that I can brag about. But spoken word is my thing. It's, it's something about having the complete attention of the audience with no beat, none of that part of showmanship involved because there is showmanship involved. Mm -hmm. 
I'm a snob about poetry. So if you don't, you know, there's certain intentions that you have to have for me to be a dope poet. Like when you get up on the mic, you have to have the intention of entertaining. You have to have the in intention of in enlightening. The artist in me won't let me get up on stage and flop. There's a, there's a purity in it that's not necessarily in, I know I can rhyme, but I have more fun rhyming when it's just kind of on the fly and it doesn't come out, it doesn't resonate the same. So um, can you briefly share either a fond memory or a funny experience you had while meeting one of your heroes or a colleague you admired? I know you got stories, the condensed version though. All right, all right, all right. so the first time I met Rakim, until Tyreek's freestyle on Funk Flex, Rakim had the number one spot. He was the God. He's the God, he's still, he's the God. You know, first time I, I met Rakim was at a, a old school joint in, in Philly. We were in like the green room. I wasn't starstruck, but I was at a loss for words. You know, I couldn't like, I'm like, you know, damn, you know, you peace God. You know, like I just, he was, it was just, and I've never been starstruck around. I've been around some, 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 what people would think was superstars. And I just never been starstruck. Rock him, I was starstruck. And uh, he says, um, he tells me he a fan of me and which, you know, floored me, this, that and the other, but he has a bodyguard. He has this cat that runs with him, running with him forever. And he is like a monster. And so somebody decided that they was going to steal, they was going to take his moet out his dressing room. And the security cat saw that. So I'm sitting there like talking to Rock Him and my man Bayot, the North is a North Philly like hustler cat. He was there. So I'm talking to Bayot and talking to Rock Him. Out of nowhere, his bodyguard knocks this guy out like cold, one hitter quitter, bop, and he flops over the, the pool table. And Rakim was like, yo, yo, B, what's up, B? You know, like, just super cool. Like, he didn't even react like, yo, what the fuck? But he was like, yo, B, like, what? You know, and his man was like, this nigga just tried to steal the guy's champagne. You know what I'm saying? Don't nobody steal from the guy. And the guy was like laid out, on, knocked out on the on the pool table. And I was kind of like, damn, I don't even, I don't even know how to continue this conversation <laughs> because you obviously have some aggressive people with you and I don't want to disrespect you now. So that was, that yeah. was one that was like awkward. Right. And then there was like a real fan. Uh, I was doing some writing with Will Smith years ago and he had flew me in and, you know, and we was in, this, well, we was at his house and he was showing me out and showed me around the house and, you know, which is, fucking phenomenal and then we go into his studio and i was like listen for a couple i just i just said i just need you to let me get this off my chest you know so he was like what i was like oh shit i said you know so i got up and i did the getting funky dance you know because that was one of the things that shaped my career like i mean it shaped my artistry there was a point where i went to the the, I think it was the Philly Fresh Fest. Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince were like the opening act. And they had this routine on getting funky. You should have seen the people dancing and shaking and moving. You should have seen the people dancing and shaking and moving and jumping and spinning and clapping. Blew my mind. So you did the I mean, dance in front of him? I literally got up in front of Will. I said, you got to let me do this. And I did that shit in front of him. He said, yo, I can't believe you know that whole shit. Okay, like, so, but you didn't fuck the dance up. You just... No, not at all. Not at oh, all. No? I mean, it's been embedded in my head since the first time I saw it. So he was impressed? He laughed crazy. You know, you know, and the whole thing was, I said, I said, then I, so I did that. Then I said, I got to apologize. You know, right before I had 
um, went to his house, I went to Brentwood Mall because I'm thinking that I had to wear some old Hollywood shit. <laughs> I went to Brentwood Mall and I spent like 2200 on an outfit. Like that same day? Pair, I, I bought a pair of jeans that cost like 900 bucks, t-shirt that was like 600 bucks. He greeted, he greeted you, know, you in some Hanes sweats? He had, uh, <laughs> the t-shirt he had on looked like he, like it was balled up in the corner of his, of his bedroom and he picked it up and put it on and some raggedy Levi's. And he was so, the coolest cat I've ever met in the industry is Will Smith. Dope. The coolest, the absolute coolest, like most down to earth was Will. And so I, I said, I got to apologize because, you know, I came here, I said, I went to the mall and I spent like 2200 $2,300 on this outfit. And I'm here and you got like, I said, you super cool, nigga. Like, you know, I, you know, only other, only other industry couple I'd ever been around was Russell and Kimora, you know, and Kimora will like chew you out if you got the wrong shit on. So I said, man, I gotta, I gotta apologize. He said, well, why you apologize? I said, cause I was fronting, nigga. You know what I'm saying? I came here. <laughs> I came here thinking I had the front, you know what I mean? You know, so, and it, it, it was funny because he was like, man, that's the realest shit nigga ever said to me. So that okay. was one of the, like, you know, those those are my two moments. I mean, I've had several other moments. Opening, yeah, we don't, you know, the show is only 40 minutes. Um, But yeah. you just brought up Russell. So how did you connect with Russell and the whole deaf poetry platform? Um, I was, I was winning a competition at, that was happening at Soul Cafe in New York that was uh, ran by Danny Simmons, Russell's older brother. Mm -hmm. And at the time they were, they were pitching the idea of deaf poetry to Russell and Stan. So they had this, uh, I was winning this competition. So Danny asked me to stop being in the competition and open up for the feature poets that were going to be this final pitch to HBO. And so the feature poets were like Steve Coleman, Jessica Care Moore, um, Taraji out, out of Jersey, um, you know, some cats that I, I had known about. And so then that's how I, I met Russell because they were there and I opened up for, you know, for the final pitch to Deaf Poetry that night. And that's when I finished doing my set. I went outside, Russell came outside and exchanged numbers with me. And then, you know, three weeks later, I was kind of on my way to being signed to Def Jam. So, so your brand of activism is clearly through your words, but are you also the type to be in the streets if the opportunity lended itself or are you not mm. with the... I'm about to work. You know, I'm definitely about to work. I don't necessarily protest and shit like that to me, uh, where they are necessary. Mm -hmm. For me, I like the grunt work. You know, let me know when y'all ready to overtake some shit and I'm with you. Thing about protests and things like that is, you know, you have to get permits and so on and so forth, which means you're given permission to gather, mm -hmm. which means how much change are you really affecting when they you know, so, the terms. you know, I think my best fight is with what comes out of my mouth and also educating, you know, getting with the youth and, and getting with younger people and inspiring them to be the best that they can be, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, the, you know, the youth is our, 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 our future. So, you know, if you plant the seed in them, you know, I think that's more activism than you, than you can do. You know, writing your emotions on a piece of cardboard and stapling that cardboard to a stick and walking around City Hall, like, justice for Lindsay. You know, it's, you know. <laughs> You're such an asshole. But have you, in all your travels, have you had any fucked up run-ins with cops yourself that could have, like, ended another way? No. None? 
in all my life, I have never had one situation with the police where I felt like my life was in danger, um, where I felt like they were disrespecting me or harassing me or assaulting me. I've never had that experience. And it's not to negate at all. I know plenty yeah, cats who have had that experience. And well, it's a very real thing. Yeah, but for me, I've never had it. But I think I credit that to my father and my grandfather and my uncles who kind of taught me how to maneuver mm. through the, you know, through the shit. You know, there's a certain way that you can be taught how to maneuver where this is without question. These are the perils that await you. But if you maneuver in such a way and that's not a kiss ass way or a tuck your chin way or none of that. Just know how to maneuver because this is what's out there waiting for you. You know, like prison is waiting for you. The fucked up judicial system is waiting for you. These cops that are scared of you are waiting for you to give them a reason to kill you. So this is how you operate along the path of achieving who you are. Dope. So what is next for Black Ice? What you got coming up? What mm. you working on? I'm working on some big shit. I can't even say nothing right about it right now. But this you can't even shit. say the little shit before the big shit? I can say that it is my wish and my want to create something that gives spoken word artists something higher to reach toward and something that 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 ignites the industrial revenue of the you know of the value of spoken word artists so that is what i've been working on deaf poetry was the one show that came about that people were uncensored it was i absolutely know that stan and russell caught a lot of heat behind allowing some of that content to be aired but it also gave poets aspiring poets aspiring masters of the art, something to reach for. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, deaf poetry was to spoken word what deaf comedy was to black comedy. There hasn't been anything since then. So I felt like it was just kind of my responsibility as one of the so-called stars of that show to to carry the torch and create a platform. I'm trying to create something that if deaf poetry was just being created now, what would it be? I'm also about to record Russell Simmons' new book the audio i'm the voice of all, all of his audio books eat to live is his new do book you use about your regular talking voice or do you have a special russell voice you use no no i just use my regular talking voice sounds promising yeah. so you got to drop your socials for the listeners real quick then uh yeah my my social media handles uh and don't get mad at me if you follow me on social media because i'm not really engaged that engaged in that which i know but it's well, at the legendary black ice on instagram they had the black ice fan page on facebook twitter is black ice the poet so we've covered a lot any last words mm, love i just stress everybody to love be accountable mm-hmm you know, my mom always told me, my father always told me, own your shit. It's the only way you grow is to own your shit and see the beauty within yourself. You I'll know. say this. This is by far the longest uh, serious conversation you and I have had. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to be on your best behavior as you cradle your chest. You know? No, no, no. I'm just, uh, I'm just like old on. and tired. But, um, <laughs> it's like an NPR interview, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... I do want to thank you for accepting my virtual invitation. Oh, man. I, I, I appreciate you hitting me up and asking me to be a part of it. I never knew, uh, you know, that my, you know, that I had any, like, uh, you know, that was relevant to modern Well, I'm shit. not saying. This doesn't mean irrelevant. It just means and you're relevant to you're me. You're like my homie. You're my homie, you know, so yeah. it's all good. So we're, you're definitely going to uh, be 
introduced to new people. You know, I got folks in obscure places. But uh, I do have a quick question for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did the hurricane say to the palm tree? What did the hurricane say to the palm tree? Even now he's serious, this guy. Move, bitch, get out the way. Almost, <laughs> almost. He said, hold on to your nuts, because this is not your usual blowjob. Ah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> say bye to the people. Hey, world, goodbye. Thanks for having me and all of these things. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Thank you for listening. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here. Please be a friend. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Do something with your laugh. Catch you next week on WTFW OTW with Rudy Rue.